Hello, Horror Nights in Podcast family, and welcome back to my podcast. Uh, If you're new here, my name is Crystal. I'm the host of this podcast where I talk about horror movies, the good, the bad, the new, and the old. I'll be uploading a new episode of this podcast every Monday, and we are going back to the basics, reviewing horror movies, because that is what started this whole thing, and that is what makes me the happiest. Also, if you haven't checked out my new podcast segment called Whisper Down the Alley, where I tell you a spooky story every single Friday night leading up to Halloween, definitely go check that out as well. And of course, don't forget to check out my YouTube channel where I talk about all things strange, unusual, and spooky around the internet. And of course, you can follow me on all my social media if you want to. So let's get into the episode. Okay guys, so I know I usually do my episodes on Mondays, but I tried to record this on Sunday and there was too many things going on. There were so many background noises, so I do apologize that this was not the normal schedule, but I am just trying to do my best with the time that I have and trying to fit everything in because as you guys know, I do this podcast. I also have my YouTube channel and all the other little things that go into creating a brand. So I know that you guys will understand and thank you just so much. So let's talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. So I'm going to be honest with you guys because I always am. And the truth is I do not know as much about Nightmare on Elm Street as I do like Scream or Halloween or Friday the 13th. So this is going to be a learning experience for me and maybe for you too. So I'm actually really excited to talk about the films, the franchise as a whole. Okay, so as we did last week, we have to start from the beginning. So let's begin with who is Freddy Krueger? He first appeared in Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 as the spirit of a serial killer who uses a gloved hand with razors to kill his victims in their dreams, causing their deaths in the real world as well. And of course, we can identify Mr. Krueger by his burned, disfigured face, dirty red and green striped sweater, his brown fedora, and his metal-clawed brown leather glove only on his right hand. This was a glove that was a product of his own imagination, and the blades were made by himself. The character represents neglect, particularly suffered by children, and more broadly represents our subconscious fears. The first film introduced his backstory as the Springwood slasher in the fictional town in Ohio. He was a serial killer of children who had burned to death by his victims after evading prison. So the reason that he evaded prison was due to technicality where it was discovered that the search warrant wasn't signed in the right place. Once the town mob burns him alive, his body dies, but his spirit lives on within the dreams of a group of teenagers living on Elm Street. He, of course, enters their dreams and kills them, fueled by the town's memories and fear of him. So was the first Nightmare on Elm Street a perfect film? No, but it's so iconic that we rank it very high in our horror film world. The characters are not very well developed, but this is a super small part compared to the theatrics of the film, 
from Freddie himself. And of course, we have the music. We also get one of my favorites, Johnny Depp. And also Craven, with his tight directing, was able to make us feel like we are in the dreamlike world as well. The film stands apart from others because it brought us the gore we love, but it took us beyond the regular slasher film. Freddy's journey took us from 1984 to 2010 with the original, the sequels, and the remake. The original was centered, of course, on Nancy Thompson and her friends and how she ultimately destroyed him by the end of the film, but the last scene reveals that he, of course, has survived. Then we move into A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which has become a cult classic in the LGBTQ plus community since its release date. As we all know, it follows Jesse Walsh, a teenager who begins to have reoccurring nightmares about Freddy after moving into the former home of Nancy. Since its release, we as fans have reassessed the film's themes and the subject material because of Jesse's role in the film. So his role back then was mostly portrayed by a female, so to see a man in this part was different. And a 2009 list on Crack.com, which lists the five most unintentionally gay horror films, with Freddy's Revenge as number one, which I think is great. But Wes Craven did share his thoughts about the sequel. So basically he said, I don't like the second script. I thought it was a silly script. There was no clear-cut hero who remains intact. Freddy coming out as the hero really violated the viewer's ability to identify with him. I suggested they make the girl across the street the hero. I thought it would have been much wiser to make her the central character. I also thought they brought Freddy much too much into the realm of reality and put him in situations where he was diminished. You want Freddy to be always threatening and overpowering, but when he's running around a swimming pool with a bunch of teenagers who are bigger than he is, he starts to look really silly. And I am sure, and this is this is me talking now, <laughs> and I'm sure you all can remember the 2019 documentary called Scream Queen my Nightmare on Elm Street, where it examines the legacy of the sequel and the life of Mark Patton, who played Jesse. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely go check it out because it's really great and it's really cool. It's very telling. Okay, so let's circle back to Freddy and his history. If you've been listening to my podcast for a bit, you know I love backstories and why the killers kill and the sticky webs that connect everyone into everything. So in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, his past was revealed by the mysterious nun who keeps appearing to Dr. Neil Gordon, and we also learn about Freddy's mother, Amanda Kruger, who was a nurse at the asylum that's featured in the film. So when she worked there, there was a ward that was run down and they used it to lock up entire hordes of the most insane criminals of all time. When Amanda was young, she accidentally locked herself in the ward for a holiday weekend and was found barely alive and pregnant, of course, with Freddy. Freddy was regarded as the son of a hundred homicidal maniacs because it was near impossible to figure out who his father was. So as the sequels continued, we learn that Freddy finds out who his father was and hates his mother for rejecting him. We also learn that he was adopted by Mr. Underwood, who was an alcoholic who abused him, and Freddy ended up killing him. And this is where we find out that Freddy killed the children of people who had bullied him when he was a child. Freddy even ties the knot and has a kid who wants to end her father's horrific legacy once and for all at the end of the final nightmare. 
Then we have one of my favorite Freddy films, which is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I loved this film. I think this meta masterpiece of seeing the actors playing themselves in this film was a standalone one that it was not in the same continuality as the previous films. But Craven has commented that this was his version of who he thought Freddy Krueger was supposed to entail. He intended Freddy to be more menacing and less comical. And then we get into the iconic and also one of my favorites, Freddy versus Jason. I liked the cast, the story, the kills, all of the above. I liked that it kind of ignored some things in both of the franchises and just kind of had fun with it. I liked the dynamic of the two horror icons as well. Was it the best film? No. But as I said, I just thought it was a good time. Okay, so now I have to chat about the 2010 remake. This film got a lot of critique from us horror fans, but I like to watch these kinds of remakes with an open mind. His backstory is a little different from the original. So in this film, he is a groundskeeper at a preschool who tortured the teen protagonists of the film when they were children. And when their parents find out, they trap him in the boiler room and set it on fire. As a spirit, he takes his revenge on the teenagers by haunting them in their dreams, and he is particularly obsessed with a girl named Nancy, who was his favorite as a child. His bladed glove is made out of discarded pieces of his gardening tools. Now, Nancy does destroy him at the end of the film by pulling his spirit into the physical world and cutting his throat, and the final scene reveals that Freddy's spirit has survived. Of course. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to stand on this hill and defend the 2010 remake. I think that Jackie Earl Halley had a very big brown leather glove to fill, and he did what he could with what he was given. I also think that this version of Freddy Krueger was more in line of what Wes Craven depicted Freddy as, more menacing, dark, and less comical. Now, don't get me wrong. There were definitely some lines in this film that made me cringe and I was like, oh, oh, I don't, I don't really like that. But regardless of that, um, I really did enjoy this film. Um, this film did set itself up for more, but because of the sour experience the viewers had while watching it, I assume that they're probably not going to make another one. Uh, we have seen Freddy Krueger portrayed by Robert England. That is who Robert is and that is who Freddy is. And as horror fans, we really like to see change. We're okay with it, but it when it comes to Freddy Krueger, I get it 100%. And I do agree that this film doesn't add much to the entire franchise itself. We've seen all this already, but I would also like to add that the special effects of this film are so good. I think, yes, if the film was a standalone and we didn't have our original, it would have been cool to see, but of course, it was a remake. Okay, so I am one who actually has some pretty vivid dreams. For the most part, I always remember my dreams, and I'm not sure if it's from the melatonin that I take before I go to bed because of my mild insomnia, or my mind likes to go a little crazy. I have woken up and felt like my dreams were so real from the feelings to the settings and also sometimes the smells that I smell in my dreams. And I remember when I was watching a night around Elm Street marathon like one random night because that's what we do, right guys? I did fall asleep and I had a dream with Freddy in it. I woke up and was definitely like, hmm, that was interesting. I'm alive. <laughs> so now I want to chat about if we need a new fresh remake from the 2010 one. I think that it would always be intriguing and exciting to see Robert England come back for another film. 
And I also think that we know so much, uh, much more about like sleeping patterns and sleep paralysis now that it would be interesting to see a new take on the franchise with those kinds of elements kind of put into the film as well. Another interesting little tidbit is if we do have Robert back with a fresh cast, it will only, it will definitely allow a new generation of horror films to see the iconic Freddy up on a big screen. And I hate to say it, but some newer horror fans may not want to watch a film from the 80s and may be more inclined to watch something with more production quality and value. I'm not saying I'm one of those fans because I am an older horror fan and find comfort in the 80s and 90s horror films, but some newer horror fans might not be so inclined. Another problem or reoccurring theme we see with a lot of our horror films is the insane amount of remakes from Child's Play to Halloween to Carrie to Scream and how we don't always have a ton of fresh horror. We've had some pretty decent filmmakers out there who are making new horror like Mike Flanagan, Ryan Murphy, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele. But I think it's getting harder and harder to please audiences. And once the majority hears it's a horror fan, they kind of brush it off. There is also something to be said about nostalgia and finding comfort in horror, as I explained earlier. In my last episode, I talked about how I could fall asleep watching Scream and be totally fine. So that is another factor as well. I also think that more modern horror takes on a more psychological approach like Midsummer and even Shutter Island, Black Swan, and we haven't had a true boogeyman, so to speak, like like we did in the past, like Freddy, Jason, Michael. It's been more so a supernatural element or the character itself battling internal struggles. Now, the Conjuring franchise did give us some scary characters like the Demon Nun, Annabelle, the Crooked Man, but nothing that really stands alone. Now, I have to talk about Scream because Scream is my favorite. Thankfully for that film, it's always somebody different connected to the Sydney Prescott life web. So that is able to be replicated and added onto if they do a good job. <laughs> okay, so now going back to Elm Street, I think the reason we love to explore Freddy's world is because he is a villain who haunts our subconscious and can inflict physical pain and death. In our dreams, we can go anywhere, we can be anything. There is no limit on what can happen. We also find peace in our homes and our beds. So when something can infringe on that and hurt us, it makes it even scarier. And nightmares are also the first encounter that children have with something that scares them. We also have seen countless commercials and scenes and films where the parents are awakened by their children because of a bad dream. So going back to the subconscious fears that I talked about in, earlier in the episode. Craven was also fascinated by dreams and people dying in their sleep or having reoccurring nightmares. He said the trigger for Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, came from a series of three articles in the Los Angeles Times over the period of a year about young men apparently dying in their dreams. So none of these men were none of these men were related by family or even by location, though they all had similar events happen to them. They would have a disturbing nightmare that was beyond anything they ever experienced before. They would tell their families about it and they would attempt not to sleep because they were too frightened to go back to sleep. And in each case, when they did go back to sleep, they died. The last one I read about, the most frightening one, happened in Oregon. The guy awoke, awakened his parents about... The guy awakened his parents with his screaming. And by the time they got to him, they found him thrashing and then he died. The medical authorities performed an autopsy and they said it wasn't heart failure. In fact, there was never any adequate explanation given for it. Anyway, Craven says, I just turned these occur occurrences around and asked, what if the death was a result 
of the dream. What if the dreams are actually killing these men? And what if they were all sharing a common frightening dream? So I started constructing a villain that existed only in your dreams. Actually, the villain is the most vital element in a horror film. You must create a personality that's very powerful and very bright. In addition, I brought to the script all of my experience, maybe a decade or more, of being familiar with the terminology and the creativity of dreams and the way they can move us so fluidly. So in the original, we got such iconic scenes that I think can scare the newer horror fans, like when Amanda was thrown up on the walls and ceilings and when Johnny Depp was sucked into his bed and emerging only as an eruption of blood. And of course, when the gloved hand comes out from under the water in the bathtub where Heather is sleeping. And of course, my favorite scene is when Freddy comes out of the wall behind her as she's sleeping. Another interesting thing I want to chat about is how Freddy is a supernatural villain who, of course, lives in her dreams. And because it's her dreams, we can't always control what we are doing. So can he really die? Yes, we have seen him being pulled out many a time and killed, but he keeps coming back. And these films also defies what we know as final girls prevailing on their courage, intelligence, and determination, and how it doesn't save them because Freddy always wins. All right, guys, so I know this episode was a little bit shorter than my normal ones, but I just wanted to make sure that I recorded it and got it out to you. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. Make sure you stay tuned for a new podcast episode next Monday. I promise it'll be on Monday. And don't forget to stay tuned for a new story coming out this Friday on Whisper Down the Alley, where I tell you a spooky story leading up to Halloween every single Friday. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel if you want, where I talk about scary things all over the internet. And as I said, you guys can follow me on my social media if you want to. And I'll see you guys in my next episode. Bye, guys.